1: Welcome, class vice presidents, loners, geeks, cheerleaders, and the undead. This is High School Slumber Party. The podcast remains me and friends look back at our teenage years with the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about.
0: This was your assignment, and I
1: would like to see the result. We're continuing our spooky month of October talking some horror films. But homework, 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 of course. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. While you're there, please, if possible, write us a positive review or give us a five-star rating. Also, tell a friend about all the great things that happened on High School Slumber Party. That's a great way to spread the message. And remember, you could always check out our old episodes, and even this episode, at the flagship, our network website, cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Also, a reminder, as always, class participation is a huge part of your grade, so make sure you write me those messages, follow us, like us, do everything possible on social media. Well, not everything, but everything possible towards this show. Of course, High Six Lumber Party on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Now, let's talk homework. Did you enjoy our last two episodes on the Craft and the Craft Legacy? If you didn't listen to them yet, please, 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 it is your homework. Listen to those. On the Craft episode, we had Jenny O'Connell and Island Addington. And on the Craft Legacy episode, which is the sequel, of course, just came out in 2020. We had just island Addington, because that's an AP episode. Remember, High Slumber Party AP comes out once or twice a month. We focus on modern teen films. Definitely check that out. Okay. Today's homework was to watch a movie that was on Tubi called Dance of the Dead. Easy, easy homework. Tubi's free. Watch it. And we have a great guest for you today, Ryan Stick of The Ryan Stick Show. And before we get into the episode, I just want to mention that hello i was a guest on the ryan stick show yesterday you can check that out on youtube ryan stick show we talked for almost three hours but it was a good time just had a blast being on that show we recorded this episode before that show but yeah love doing other people's shows love when they come on my shows ryan's always a great guest he brought us this movie dance of the dead hope you enjoyed it
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa,
1: the bell doesn't dismiss you, I dismiss you, Though I feel like that one came at just the right time, because I want you to hear this episode on Dance of the Dead, so pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping at Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with a song off this soundtrack, a cover actually, Pep Benatar cover, Shadows of the Night, but this one is by Leighton last dismissed we're running with the shadows of the night so baby I'll take my hand it'll be all right surrender all your dreams to me tonight it'll come true in the air
0: Oh, girl, it's a cold
1: world to yourself. I not Ryan, it's been too long, uh, but this is the season. Tis the season for the scary and the horror movie, so
0: I feel like I had to have you on. Sorry, Brian, one second. I think i got to rejoin or something because... Wait, uh, talk again. Can you hear me? I, I know my connection is stupid now. Do you mind if I just rejoin?
1: Oh, no problem, yeah.
0: Wait, keep talking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's actually got better now. Talking, talking, talking. Yeah, we're good now. Okay. Okay, okay. Much like many of my sexual experiences in high school, there was a short, uncomfortable period of, of non-enjoyment, but now now we've learned our lesson and we've gotten <laughs> better at it. So, okay, please continue. I'm keeping that in. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I just was going to ask if you remembered how to introduce yourself on High School Slumber party.
0: You know, here's the thing, Brian, I listen to your show all the time. I've been on the show like four times, but apparently I remember about as much of the experiences I do to real high school, which is nothing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember what I drank on the weekends, but I couldn't tell you what I learned in school. So, uh, yeah, well, my name is Ryan and, uh, I went to Vanguard intercultural high school and I believe my team mascot were the have nuns cause we didn't have one. And uh, (laughs) we didn't have a team to have a mascot for. I think I said this in the other episodes, but we wore a school uniform and there was a stigma about our school because uh, it was a school for kids that had like one or two learning disabilities, but pretty much that was it. And just a little bit of time to focus on that said problem would, you know, make you excel in other ones. But the problem is, is it was the 90s so everyone's throwing around the hard r word at us and uh, we have uniforms where they could like literally pick us off in public so uh yeah no school uniforms uh-huh. but uh, dark personal history that 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 is what <laughs> that is what the podcast of my school will be called tonight Ooh. <laughs> well
1: regardless happy to have you <laughs> back ryan really appreciate you coming on you know it is Halloween season, as I mentioned before. We get into Dance of the Dead. Kind of wanted to ask you because we were banding about like what movie to talk about, and you mentioned some that uh, maybe didn't qualify, but still wanted to mention anyway. So, what are some of your favorite Halloween films? I don't necessarily mean scary movies. I mean like films that get you in the Halloween mood, if you will.
0: Well, uh, Hocus Pocus is definitely like a mainstay in the house, and I know you covered that that on the show already. But, um, I love Ernest Scared Stupid, and the kids are a little too young to qualify to be on the high school slumber party., uh, I, I guess it's a like a junior high school slumber party. <laughs> or failed twice in grade six party. I don't know. Yeah, Ernest Scared Stupid is great. I also really love Paranorman, and that's a movie, Brian, that does not get a lot of love because it's this gorgeous. Stop animated film, old school stop animation film about a kid who sees dead people but kind of owns up to it and he's used to it and um, his family does not get him at all. He comes from a very loud, full family as an older sister that hates him and he just ends up going on this adventure because he lives in this town that has like this. A thousand-year-old witch's curse on or a few hundred-year-old witch's curse on it and the and the witch has woken up because descendants of his family are supposed to read this book to keep the curse at bay like i keep telling you it's gorgeous but it is it came out unfortunately the same month as tim burton's frankenweenie and Uh, hotel transylvania wow (laughs) so one of them had to be the third horror animated film (laughs) you know what i mean that got the least amount of attention And without Tim Burton and Adam Sandler's name attached to it, it unfortunately got swept under the rug a bit. But I had seen it months earlier at the Fantasia Film Festival and walked out with my jaw on the floor. So if anyone out there wants to see a really cool original stop animated film, check out Paranorman. You find out that he is uh, like his uncle who unfortunately dies early in the film, you find out that his family's lineage is responsible for keeping this witch's curse asleep for hundreds and hundreds of years. Paranorman is supposed to be next in line, but his uncle does not get to him in time before explaining how to keep the curse at bay. So the witch's ghost wakes up monster squad levels of awesome ensues. And, uh, it's just, it's just gorgeous. And like I said, all done in that traditional old style stop animation form, which is a, True dying art, but the people who made Coraline and Kubo and the Four Strings did this movie and box trolls. Oh, cool! It's stunning, but it's not well known. But it's gorgeous, and anybody who likes horror just a little bit and likes that innocent, um, in it innocent kids against the monsters type of theme, it's great. And dude, it's got such a good moral lesson underneath it all. Like at the end, like you really there's even uh, some LGBT community, um characters that you don't even realize are actually in there and and for a kid's movie it's so it's light years ahead of its time and i've actually heard a lot of good things about that film recently so i hope it gets a
1: a little bit of a second life uh no pun intended with all the horror stuff but
0: (laughs) yeah what year did it come out it was the year 2012 brian the animation october extravaganza of 2012 (laughs) it certainly was
1: yeah well it's nine years almost gonna be 10 years right and it's like I don't know. Sometimes movies get the second
0: life and I love it. I mean, I wouldn't have a podcast if movies didn't get a second life. Right. So uh, that's true. And if all you did was watch current high school movies, being a grown man, I'd, I'd have to ask him questions about you <laughs> because <laughs> if, if you're just rocking the Disney channel every single day, keeping up the date, it's uh, you know, <laughs> it would be a little different.
1: Well, I try to keep up the date, but of course we live in nostalgia here on high school slumber party. So I have to ask, uh, Dance of the Dead, was this the first time you've seen it? Or why did you settle on this film today?
0: Well, eh, I was just racking my brain about high school movies. And I've loved this movie. And this is another gem that I saw at the Fantasia Film Festival that, you know, when you see it in a festival, you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be a thing. And then afterwards, when it comes out into the world and it's not, you're always surprised. But, you know, fortunately, you'll. I do have those film... Uh, those Fantasia Film Festival memories, bought it when I could and uh, shared it as much as I could, told people to watch it. And always, you know, eh, pretty much every single time people were actually glad that they had seen it. It's just sometimes, unfortunately, it's timing, it's distribution, and it doesn't always uh, hit the mainstream. But what's really cool about it now is for the first time ever, it's playing on an app that's called Tubi, T-U-B-I, and it's free. And anybody can watch it. And that's the first time in a while that I can remember it being so readily available to the public if they so choose to see it. I just saw it a, a mere few minutes before we began again. And it was really nice to be transported back to that time because it's been a few years since it's actually come out. And, uh, you know, it's one of the ones I, st- I keep with me, maybe because... It's like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, you know? It it wasn't embraced by everybody. It just needs a little love.
1: Why do you think that happens? Because that's kind of the consensus on this film. It was actually really loved on the festival circuit and then kind of wasn't heard from. Didn't get a lot of critical love. Uh, Why do you think that happens with certain festival films?
0: I'm not sure, man, because it's a real niche genre. Like, I think now that Shudder exists and all the other stuff, had it come out now and gone to Shudder, it would have done much better. But back then, this is years and years ago, and horror was kind of like in this weird place where, is it just about teen slashers? Is it just about ghosts? Like, this is a, a zombie film. This is kind of like in the middle of walking dead kind of becoming a real thing again and if so zombies were supposed to be taking super seriously and it's about the drama around it this is like an 80s style comedy the audience was always there for it but the mainstream audience was it kind of ready to settle on zombies are hilarious again i don't think so
1: yeah because when i started watching the movie then i saw it was 2009 i was like oh I think of uh even though it was a musical I think of Anne on the Apocalypse right like this yeah. reminded me of that film a lot um kind of a festival movie that did you know didn't get the love maybe it deserved on the you know, mainstream circuit or whatever. But definitely kind of that zombie comedy. And you've brought us a lot of zombie comedies here on High School Slumber Party. So I, I knew this
0: film was definitely up your alley as soon as I started watching it. Yeah, I'm going to change it up next time, man. We're going to get into some ghosts or something. Or... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, Brian, just as a tangent, it was, it was so funny. Like, Melissa and I, like, loved the Fear Street movies, but your alumni Kate Hudson does not. So it was it was really funny to listen along because I made the Kate Hudson drinking game where every every time she'd say it's not Fear Street with great disdain, I'd have to have a shot. But the problem is, is in the middle of episode two, I got got fucking hammered. (laughs) But it's all good because In a sense that I'm a total nerd and when it comes to things I love and have followed and are familiar with, when people kind of mess with the IP and do things in name only, I can't see the I can't see the iteration that it is, you know, by itself, this brand new thing, if I loved the original and I can't see it as this brand new thing. So I totally get where she's coming from. But I see Fear Street. Of I think I read a book cover or two, so i not. Di- so the my my memories of it cannot possibly taint its current uh, iteration. But just to say, I love I love the show and I love people's reviews and Pumpkin's hilarious and it's uh, you know, it's it's just it's just great. It's just great. I'm so happy to be here. Well,
1: well, thank you for giving Kate Hudson and Gus and Pumpkin a shout out. Yeah, no, Fear Street, that that's that's a fun one. Um I totally get both sides of it because you're right. Like if you really enjoyed the movies, which a lot of people did, I'm sure those episodes were disappointing. But on the other hand, Kate, like you said, <laughs> loved the IP, lo- like read every Fear yeah. Street book and and I think you can tell how genuine she is when you listen to those episodes and she was like, This is not what I expected at all. So you're like, Huh, okay. But th- that's gonna happen. That especially when you take old properties like that and make them new. But Fear Street's good in a sense that so many people like myself, like you, Ryan, are in that boat. We're like, oh, I know that book cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but dude, I feel for her man, because they made this Apple Plus ghost series and i mean ghost oh, writer like yeah writer go, the ghost that writes and helps the kids from brooklyn solve mysteries i forgot about that i didn't watch it no oh well you shouldn't because uh if you think kate hudson hates fear Street, you should hear <laughs> you should hear my rage over over this ghost writer crap that they try to pull where basically it's like it was this really cool 90s show. Yeah, it was like a cheap show, but at the same time these kids would solve mysteries with like, you know, questionable CGI. It it was just awesome. It was just this great time in the 90s where it's just kind of like it wasn't called inclusive. It was called Representation of New York, like friends take <laughs> take a fucking note. <laughs> this it's is so what true. it is seeing and just seeing kind of like what they turned it into. It's just it just this new show just was so polished and it's where it, their, Ghostwriter just helps the characters in the books come to life, like Jumanji. And I'm like, oh, that's so lame. And that's what they did with Goosebumps the Movie, even though I like Goosebumps the Movie, where it's just like, oh, they're coming out of the books. Everything is coming out of the books. And. And uh, yeah, so anyway, Kate, If I, I doubt you'll hear this, but if you ever do, I, I feel your pain. I don't agree with you, but I definitely feel your pain when it comes to other things.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you uh, gave me the ghostwriter warning because... Oh, God, I, Brian, I, I, it sucks. <laughs> I totally forgot that they were uh, coming out with that. So yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. But this, like, Dance of the Dead, this is like, again, a, a very ryan movie i'm not surprised that you enjoy this film what do you know about the background of this movie because i know often at film festivals you might get a little bit more insight not a lot of insight online to be honest with you
0: um yeah when i first saw this movie i knew sweet fuck all i'm like oh there's a title but when you come <laughs> in and you just kind of you get your underdog who's kind of like you know everyone laughs at him he's the pizza guy he's the guy that has to work and everyone else is just enjoying like uh, you know there's the selfishness of youth and um i just really dug the fact that the sci-fi club were just these helpless nerds and then you got this guy who strikes out the cheerleader all these all these things that uh, as an awkward (laughs) awkward teenager as myself would appreciate And then I love the band and the band was just funny because they're just (laughs) such such dicks. But at the same time, you got your base, the bass player who's got these crazy theories about things. And it turns out half of them are right. And it's just it's it's just awesome. Like, well, I read I read something weird on IMDb that it was supposed to be about another character and then she quit and then they had to rewrite the story to accommodate like a group of characters but i i don't think that's true imdb i think you're pulling a wikipedia here and uh, you're letting anybody write what they want because that doesn't sound likely like i don't think you could rewrite a script in in two weeks to add all these different characters maybe a few but not all these different characters so Yeah, that was one of the few IMDb trivia
1: notes. I I love IMDb trivia, but we always laugh when we read it because some of it is just silly. I'm not sure if that's real or not. You're right. I, I am a little suspect about that, but it almost didn't matter in the end of the day. There was nothing really relevant, too relevant, on IMDb trivia to this film, which is nice sometimes, right? It's not like an overload. Of stuff, we do have a back of the DVD to read to get y'all caught up out there on Dance of the Dead. So here nice. goes on the night of the big high school prom, the dead rise to eat the living, and the only people who can stop them are the losers who couldn't get dates to the dance. Sweet, simple, easy.
0: Can't I like complain, it. can't it's complain. Cool. <laughs> yeah, a little so, a little derogatory to all your heroes, but whatever. <laughs> So it was uh, directed by a guy
1: named Greg Bishop, shot primarily in Atlanta. This movie got on a lot of people's radars because Sam Raimi saw it at a festival and really, really liked it. So he decided to distribute it with his company. So maybe you slumberers out there know it from that distribution. I'm not sure. Like I said, it was somehow on my list. I don't know how it got there. Happy you brought it to me. But with these, like, indie movies, something I love about them, you know, it doesn't always work out, but something I love about them is the unknown cast, right? Like, was there anyone here who
0: you were familiar with at all? Funny enough, who really stood out to me was the bass player of the band. Like, he kind of reminded me of my bass player in the Hollywood (laughs) movies. And uh, it turns out, like, his name's Lucas Till, and he went on to uh, star in many things, uh, like the remake of MacGyver. He played Havoc in the X-Men movies. In fact, a few cast members of this movie ended up in X-Men properties. For instance, the uh, guitar- the guy who played the lead singer, Nash Rambler, the lead singer of the band, who's kind of a douchebag to girls, so not not the best guy in the world. <laughs> so that's why I side with bass player. <laughs> I side with a conspiracy theor- uh, theorist bass player. But um, Blair Redford, who played him, he went on to play um, Thunderbird in uh, The Tomorrow People. So kind of interesting that two cast members would find their way into uh, future X-Men properties.
1: That is interesting, yeah. And I recognize Lucas Till. I'm glad you brought him up because i definitely seen him and stuff. The other person, Jimmy, Jared Kuznets, he's been in a a couple things too. Uh, He was actually in a movie called Prom um, and also Secret Life of the American Teenager, maybe some stuff you guys out there are familiar with. And he had a pretty familiar face but otherwise, again, cast of largely unknowns. Besides the uh, band and, and specifically the bass player, did anyone else uh, really stand out to you?
0: Um, well, I I did like the character of Jimmy, but I, I love the gym teacher. And I love him in a sense of like, you know, when you love the guy from Full Metal Jacket, like you don't want to you don't want to know this person. You don't want to be around this person. You don't want this person to scream at you. But good Lord, when he's on the TV and and safely away from you. Is he very funny? It's almost like he was pulled out of a different movie and placed in a John Hughes movie or something. It's like if you take John Hughes and a full metal jacket and kind of see what happens for a few minutes. <laughs> it was just I don't know. He had a real sense of comedic timing. I th- I thought he was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That guy was great.
0: I agree with you there. Oh, OK. Justin Wellborn, who played uh, the school bully, Kyle Grubin. Oh, yes. Who, Kyle. Like, who used all of his extreme sports slash jackass stunt video enthusiasm in order to kill uh, zombies much more uh, much more efficiently? I thought that was really cool because there's this moment later on after the dead come where uh, Jimmy and him, who literally butted heads at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> kind of find common ground where it's like you're a messed up kid, huh? So was I, and they kind of shake hands and you're just like, oh, I like it. I like it when enemies become friends. And that's
1: kind of like what this movie is about in a sense—not necessarily enemies becoming friends, but it has a lot of uh, warm, fun moments. And yeah, they hit you on the nose a bit at times, but it's—I don't think that's that kind of movie. It's it's not a deep movie,
0: you know? No, no. But but hitting you on the head is kind of like taking the high school stereotype. It's used in every single movie that you know you review on this podcast in a way Mm -hmm. because. The high school stereotype is based on actual high school stereotypes, except this is kind of celebrating its stereotype and allowing it to be a plot device for humor. Because it's kind of funny that the high school cheerleader doesn't have anything to do and she happens to be running, but then she happens to be fighting zombies and doing cartwheels and all of a sudden she looks like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like that's awesome. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you brought up her character too, because she was probably one of my favorite in the movie, that that cheerleader. Just like her um like her rise to that, because uh, I I do not remember characters' names in this, so excuse me.
0: No, evil. me neither. I have IMDB <laughs> out in front of me and I'm still <laughs> fucking it up, so
1: <laughs> Lindsay right plays the the girlfriend, if you will. Jimmy's yeah. girlfriend, next girlfriend, and girlfriend again, kind of. She's she's very much a stock character of like a you know goody goody girl whatever and then this the runner character the cheerleader though like you said like legit turns into kind of Buffy we'll discuss her fate a little bit later but I, I, I kind of like the characters the one one of the criticisms of the criticisms I will have though I was kind of having a little difficult of a time telling them apart at certain moments
0: <laughs> dude dude Melissa was watching it with me and everybody has that 2009 haircut. Yes, exactly. Which which I am currently rocking (laughs) out of neglect. And Melissa was watching it and she's like, everyone here has the same face. (laughs) And then one of the nerd guys and and, uh, Lindsay was standing next to each other. Like, look, they have the same nose. And at first I thought Melissa was crazy. And then Melissa, and this is not a joke, realized that we were dressed the same and both have the same color of hair. And we're like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's been a long pandemic. (laughs) First of all, that's hilarious. This is all true. I'm not even (laughs) kidding. I'll send you a photo later.
1: Please do. That aside, though, I thought they could have just... Changed people's hair a little bit. I don't know. Maybe cast the people with different looking faces because I'm with her in that response. Like, maybe I'm silly and maybe it's silly that I need
0: that, but there were
1: times I'm like, wait, he's with that girl? Oh, no, no,
0: no. That's a different person. <laughs> you know? They they all look like less desirable like Jonas Brothers that they don't, <laughs> that nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Definitely. That live in the basement. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's more Jonas Brothers in case one of them dies, <laughs> we'll just replace them like clones. And that's not to say they did a bad job. it's no, of course another. not. It's just very
1: very similar looking people in this movie. Um, not a. Diverse or inclusive cast, if you will. Again, not blaming the filmmaker for that, whatever. But, I don't know, I would have liked some color variation in hair, at least. There you go. But um, you mentioned him before. Kyle, the character of Kyle, he's one of the most distinct looking people in the movie. And he really stands out. But a couple of the dudes, like, from the Sci-Fi Club, plus Jimmy. Jimmy was wearing the tux, so you could tell it was him. (laughs) (laughs) they all had this 2009 ish hair and i'm not gonna lie at times i was confused
0: who was it yeah they all played bass for the killers like all
1: (laughs) yeah that's another that's another great like uh you know uh timeline indicator (laughs) there
0: Or the strokes. Yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all, they all didn't make the cut for the strokes. <laughs> you know, something we were talking about stereotypes before, but, uh, you know, they are used as a plot device because you can get a lot more humor out of not having to develop the characters. <laughs> so so when someone's a walking stereotype, you know everything about them be, without having to really dig. So I suppose that speeds things along when you have like a plot of, when you have like 11 characters to keep interesting for like an hour and a half.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's something that horror uses a lot and to great effect. Um, I've mentioned this on the pod in, in my uh, studies, if you will, in the High School Slumber Party Studies. One thing that I've noticed about horror, and you know specifically horror comedy, where like the other genres, you're like penalized for like following the rules or following tropes, right? Like that's not a good thing. But in horror, if you follow the tropes and you do it right, you're applauded for it. Like if you pay homage to to uh, something in horror, people actually like it. But in other genres, they get mad at you for whatever reason so i don't know there's something cool about the horror community that just enjoys seeing the certain ways things play out and i I don't think that's any different here and i think my my long-winded point with all that is using the stereotypes especially in horror yeah it's cool when they're subverted at times but sometimes i don't need or want them subverted sometimes i like seeing the geek be the geek you know Sometimes I like seeing the bully be the bully, especially in a movie like this, if that makes any sense.
0: Here, Here's the thing about this film, too. It's like I'm thinking about the back of the DVD that you're reading. In the beginning of the movie, you clearly see the reign of high school and its class system place each of these people In a situation that they wouldn't normally be able to grow out of or get out of before the end of high school. But because of this zombie apocalypse, all of a sudden, all these nerds turn into heroes and the bully, the sociopathic bully becomes this compassionate person, the pizza boy is like the head honcho and in heroism the girl who who's kind of anal retentive and uh, you know is a goody goody and put the prom together like the vice president she uh you know turns into quite the badass and uh, went stomping a zombie later holds <laughs> she's wearing right. her fancy gown, but she's holding it and like literally kicking a zombie in the head so it, it's really cool to see these like you know these tropes get changed based on a traumatic event
1: yeah absolutely. you mentioned the sci fi club. I love in movies when, like, the nerds are right about something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to see, uh, like, the skills that everyone in the school probably, like... You know, or not school, Just knowledge, we'll say, like, that everyone in the school is, like, probably not paying attention to. And it's suddenly, like, they're the experts. They kind of know how to survive, and they're validated a little bit. Let's talk some scenes, though. Early on, were there any scenes that really stuck out to you? Like, for me... Just as being a high school film nerd, if you will, I love seeing just the th- that the theme of the prom or whatever was like hula, you know, I thought, I <laughs> yeah. thought that was cool. I like how we kind of open with uh, not the graves, I mean, not that I don't like the grave scene, but the, the band scene where the punk, the punk band is trying out and they don't get accepted.
0: Yeah, it's back to the future, dude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> totally. I thought that was uh, super cool. Oh, the fact that uh, the town is built in the nuclear power plant, we by nuclear power plant, we've seen that a lot in horror, but that's always fun to me. Anything stick out to you at the beginning of the film?
0: Because you say they're right next to a nuclear power plant makes me realize like why the Simpsons are all yellow. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's why, yeah. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, it's just really cool getting to know each of the characters. I thought it was really... It, I, you know, I, I felt it on the inside of my soul when the sci-fi club thought they had all these people going to attend their <laughs> meeting. And then they realized everyone realized they're in the wrong room. <laughs> it was just the four guys. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I feel felt that before. And I definitely know that. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the band, seeing the band get rejected was pretty cool. But it also makes me realize I'm like, why would they be auditioning for the dance that day? Like what if all the bands in town weren't good enough? Like what are they going to do? Well, yeah.
1: We have yeah. to suspend disbelief with that one, but that's a exactly. really that's a really good point. Another like scene like that where I'm like I'm going to suspend disbelief. Just flash forward quickly when we're in the graveyard and like the people start coming reanimating if you will. Like yeah. Everybody it's a cool scene but every like there's no old people. Everyone's like in their 40s or 30s. That's true. Which is fine, but I was like, wait. What accident happened here where like a, like fifty people died in their forties? And like, where are all the old people? I don't know.
0: Not so- only that, but originally, like George A. Romero is the godfather of zombies. And uh, his Night of the Living Dead was the first time he ever saw a zombie that wasn't kind of like a voodoo curse thing. Mm. So, you know, kind of um, uh, homegrown zombies, uh, uh, American zombies, Brian. <laughs> it's really interesting because his zombies are dead and they move slow because they are dead. And, uh, you know, a little bit of brain function is allowing your bodies to move. And then in other movies, such as 28 Days Later, where it's more of a virus and they're half living, half dead. Uh, they are runners. These are the most aggressive moving zombies I have ever seen and Dance of the Dead. They are breaking out of the ground. Yeah, <laughs> there's a real Evil Dead intensity to uh, you know, uh, them turning to zombies and the viciousness that they get immediately. So, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. It's not your typical uh horror zombie thing, but it uh, definitely was interesting to me because I feel more terrified of zombies that can chase me because frankly after two years of covid i can't run for shit so <laughs> fair yeah. enough <laughs> yeah
1: now that we're here i'll, I'll ask you since you're more of the expert than i am what do you think about the effects for this movie especially considering you know it's a Small independent
0: film. Uh, the, the effects were really cool. Like I said, it's uh now that you pointed out that your average zombie is 20 to 40 years old. They they all look cool. The deaths were very cool. There was a slapstick element to it that you would see in an Evil Dead movie mm-hmm. where, you know, if they're fighting, the arm would fall off. They would fight with the arm. The gore was pretty intense. I, I, I suppose we should bring up the uh, stall scene with the cheerleader and uh, one of the one of those nerd guys. One of those Jonas brother dudes. Basically, the, he, this guy, he's in love with this girl. He was he was too shy to ask her to the prom in the beginning. And uh, she's like, I need you. I need to talk to you. And you see, after all her Buffy the Vampire Slayer-isms, she had been bitten. She's like, don't tell them. They're going to, if you do, they'll kill me for sure. And he's like, he's clearly like trying to get out of there. But then she kisses him. And he's just like, oh, I need to kiss her. But in mid-kiss, she turns into a zombie and eats his tongue <laughs> and you see the tongue in her mouth and she's chewing it and he's screaming. And then she goes in for the kill only to come back later where you see the two zombies are not making out, but like literally eating each other. And uh those effects were gross because Melissa, my darling, I am used to horror. I can eat anything during horror. It does not phase me anymore because all I see is effects and effort put into screen, good or bad. I turn and look at her and I wish I could describe the look on her face as she sees these two eating each other's tongues. But uh, let me tell you, (laughs) if she had food to throw up, it would have (laughs) been thrown. (laughs) That was probably
1: my favorite little element and, you know, moment in the film. I loved that, like the whole, you know, her zombie turn, but then that how we revisit them like that. Like, I thought that Mm. was pretty cool. (laughs) Another note I just had about the overall feel of the film. I know this is way late in the podcast to bring this up, but I, oh, yeah. I, I want to do it. I love the title, Dance of the Dead, right? Like it's, You mentioned Romero.
0: It sounds like a Romero film. I'm sure that was intentional. The only thing is, though, is that everyone's like, we got to go to the dance. We got to go to the dance. It's a prom. Okay, (laughs) and i'm like i always thought that was funny because the prom is not a dance a dance is where you go dance to aqua randomly and (laughs) uh you know go about your ways and my friends would all smoke cigarettes and i'd stand outside and watch them smoke cigarettes because i don't smoke and we'd all share the same discman this is pre-covid and listen to the brand new band slipknot (laughs) that's digging myself but i'm gonna go with it A dance is just something you go to. A prom costs a fortune and you wait all year for. So, you know, to call it a dance is kind of funny. It's just like, you know, hey, honey, let's go to the party. It's called our anniversary, you asshole.
1: (laughs) It's definitely a downplay. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. And yeah, some people are downplaying the prom here, but like our two main leads are clearly not one of them is vice president and on the prom committee and put the whole thing together. And you're so right. Like proms are very, very serious in the high school world, of course, but for the visual, I think the bloody prom dress is a great high school horror image. So they had to do it.
0: Yeah. And you know what, dare I say, we could even throw it back to, uh, God, uh trick or treat that we covered in the first episode we ever did together. Seeing the band on stage play live during the prom and all the zombies kind of like get distracted by music. In fact, the scene of the band playing in the garage was my favorite thing ever.
1: So what we got is, uh, I slept with my third grade teacher. Teacher, over 100
0: teachers. She Rose was a teacher. sexual creature. Preacher, Preacher. She, no, was, no. she was, no, se- creature. Creature's
1: the way to go. Yeah. So she was a sexual creature. She always made me feel all right. She kept me up she at night. She flew my kite. <laughs> Dude, chill out, man. Seriously, stay in the circle. Here. Yeah. Okay. Like it, I like it. She made me feel all right. She kept me up, kept all, me night. up all night. She taught me the ways of multiplication. Multiplication, that's what she taught. It led to my first masturbation. God damn. No, Jensen? Jensen. Man, you hotboxed the entire garage. I swear you've smoked us all stupid. Go
0: open the door. Open the door.
1: Oh. masturbation? I can't
0: even hear myself think. How do you expect me to get to the next level with this song?
1: One of you jokers laced my joint for mild hide again.
0: because all these zombies are just like you know the band ends up playing for five hours just to make sure they don't die and uh then they're playing at the prom and you think they're going to open up with this rocker but they're playing um shadows of the night by pat benatar yeah yeah <laughs> i was like wow <laughs> oh and just the plot to blow up the school and just i don't know uh with the janitor what sorry not the janitor the gym teacher I, I, it was just rad but i but there's these great scenes where the lead guitar, lead singer of the band is playing his first chord and it just makes the performance seem so much bigger. And those are the little moments that I really got to give respect to the director. You could have just turned on a camera. You didn't need a slow motion shot of him jumping in the air and hitting that first chord, but you did it. And I'm so glad you did. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I loved the band. I thought the band was just, you know, awesome. And again, the fact that there's a little part of them that yes, they are playing to save their own lives, but there's a little part of them that's also like, hey, people are
0: listening to our music, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They say, hey, we got to get out of here. It's just like, no, man, this is the best set of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> which,
1: which I really did love. This is, this is such a visual film that it would be really, you know, it's silly if we just went like scene by scene, plot by plot. Plot point by plot point. So uh, what were just some of your other favorite moments that you wanted to talk about?
0: Uh, Well, I will say it's not a favorite moment, but I just got to bring it up because as per tradition of all the episodes we've done together, it usually involves two people in a car doing something semi-sexual and something horrible going wrong. So after she dumps Jimmy, uh, the vice president of the school... Ends up accepting a prom invitation from the president of the of the student president, who is a level seven douchebag, and uh, they end up making out a bit. And he's about to pull a Biff Tannen, where he's trying to go far, and she's like, uh, "No, stop!" And he's he's just going to go because you know, like I said, level seven douchebag. And then the door, the car door, flies open, and he gets pulled out and eaten by a wad of zombies. So some of the first teenage death in the movie by the zombies, you're actually relieved you're not like oh no not that guy you're like yeah fuck yeah die harder (laughs) yeah i guess that's one of my favorite scenes because i'm just like you know zombie apocalypse is happening but imagine if it wasn't that would be horrible it's so strange that every time we talk a movie there's a car scene like this it's just i don't
1: remember how many how many times you've been on four
0: maybe uh, yeah, just to say, even if we covered a period piece, I am so certain that there's going to be some unfortunate <laughs> carriage ride or something.
1: Yeah, <laughs> something in the future, something in a spaceship, who knows, but it'll happen. <laughs> For sure.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man. I literally put on the movie, I'm like, I wonder if it's going to happen today. I'm like, oh, okay, this one's happening fast.
0: <laughs> I didn't even remember till today.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, God. <laughs> That's your trademark—the awkward car encounter. Yeah, awkward car supernatural encounter.
0: But like I said, it's so cool that this movie is on Tubi, like uh, that free app that's T U B I, and it's readily available for anyone. Because instead of having to find it on the internet through sketchy pirate websites or like you know terrible versions on YouTube, like it's it's great. It's great that people can watch this movie in its full form in the in the proper definition. Because it it really deserves an audience. It's fun to watch with friends. Like, you don't have to. This isn't a think piece zombie movie. You don't got to sit there and analyze, like, how it's a algorithm for characters. It's about the Civil War, man. No, no. It's just, this is just a bucket of silliness and fun. The higher the stakes get, the sillier it all is. And it's a, it's just a good romp. It's relatively short.
1: It's a fun movie, even to have on in the background of a party, right? A yeah, COVID party, not a lot of people
0: there. Everyone's, back, <laughs> everyone's vaccinated, you know. But I always like it when people step up who are the unlikely heroes, and I guess that's the whole theme of this movie. Especially when you think about the back of the VHS, uh, the DVD box. I like it when unlikely heroes step up because uh, you know you're you're so surprised by their actions that uh you know their journey is your journey because i'm sure i'm sure we all can relate to people who in life are kind of undervalued but we all fancy ourselves when shit hits the fan maybe someday we could be those heroes and diehards about that too Mm -hmm. to be honest like i'm sure john mcclain's a good cop but did he ever was he talking to his friends the day before saying hey you know me I could run around in a building for nine hours with my bare feet (laughs) in my bare feet, stepping on broken glass. Like, I know I like I like the unlikely hero scenario.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And again, this is a really it's a it's a fun movie. uh, Bottom line, I could see if it's not your style, but if it is, I, I think you're probably going to enjoy it. The ending was interesting, right? Like the plan worked, which I didn't really expect. I mean it didn't like flawlessly work Right like the gym teacher Ends up dropping the detonator In the bag of chips and that's when the band Plays the distract and we have a cool set piece There Felt. Once they end up blowing the school up, it, it's, you know, it somewhat works, but there's kind of this thing where they're like, oh, let's go to the power plant and just end this for good. And I'm like, oh, right, we're going to get this power plant scene. This is awesome. Like, you know, is this going to be a, like an even bigger ending? And, it's, and it just like kind of ended there. Not that I was disappointed, but I'm glad that it left me wanting more, which I didn't expect, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's much better than like a crappy cutscene where it's a matte painting of a of a nuclear or like a terrible model. Like sometimes uh, less is more, and and who knows? Maybe they thought they were going to make a part two. Mm. I mean, the movie Cooties—that's really funny. I think that's on Tubi as well. And Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson in there are are their faculty at a, a school, and this weird zombie-style virus outbreak breaks out amongst the children that has an ending where you think there's really going to be a part two and there's not. So sometimes you're just left with that lack of clarity.
1: Yeah. I mean, but again, I was totally fine with it. What'd you make of this a uh, grave digger character that we see at the beginning and at the end?
0: Apparently that role was written specifically for that actor, for what I read. And he was funny. He, he was funny. He started off the movie with kind of like, um, I guess he's the heartbeat of the movie where Something surreal is happening, and someone's going to shrug their shoulders. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's something we do see in a lot of horror comedies that, again, I'm down for.
0: I'm definitely Yeah, like, down. he clearly has seen some shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: uh, this is not the first time the zombies have come back to life, and clearly he's uh, been keeping things in check. So... Uh, Yeah, I'd love to see a prequel about that guy's story because I'm sure that guy's got some shit to tell.
1: Yeah, in the horror comedy, I love uh, those characters who are just... We talked about this on My Boyfriend's Back, right? The characters who are just like, yeah, you know, this is happening. I'm sure it's going to happen <laughs> yeah. again, you know?
0: <laughs> I, I'd like to thank you, and I'd like to thank High School Slumber Party. Take a 1,000% credit for this. But when we were talking about My Boyfriend's Back... I had was mentioning that it was was written by Adam Marcus and Dean Lorley and and Adam Marcus would eventually direct um, Jason Goes to Hell and was supposed to direct this. And I'm like, God, he must have stories. And you said on the podcast, you should reach out to him. And I did and ended up having a Kevin Smith level like conversation with him. And he told me all this amazing stuff about uh, my boyfriend's back in ways I had no idea. Including how it was supposed to be kind of like, uh, it was supposed to be about, in a sense, what it was like to have AIDS, where you still look like you, but everybody didn't want to be around you, didn't want to touch you. You know, oh, you're a zombie, but you still feel like you, you still look like you. And uh, it was written in um, tribute to many of their friends that had passed away from it in the later 80s. So the script was written in the early 90s about that. It turned into was a Disney like hipty doo comedy and stuff like that, but originally the original title Johnny Zombie was going to be a much darker film,
1: yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That was an awesome interview you had with Adam marcus like it was that was so cool and again, such a follow up guys uh slumbers if you heard the my boyfriend's back episode, definitely check that episode out because it, again i'm I was so thankful that you were able to track him down because. You guys answered a lot of questions we had on that episode. And yeah, that that whole thing was fascinating, and just any everything he was saying was fascinating. Because I remember you and I were trying to put the pieces together on the episode of like what happened with this guy, what what was his original intention, why was it made? So yeah, thanks more importantly for bringing him on your show.
0: Thank you to you and everything you do and your suggestion, Brian. Because uh, I would not have put two and two together. had you not said you should go do that? Because <laughs> you know clearly I'm a huge follower and I must uh, I must listen to Cool Kid Brian because I want to be the popular kid in school. (laughs) Well,
1: I I was just happy that I could indulge in your efforts. (laughs) So so thank you. Anything else you want to mention for Dance of the Dead?
0: My favorite, favorite scene in the movie is when all the nerds show up and uh, all these the prom queen is in a corner crying after, you know, the most traumatizing night of her life, seeing her friends die in front of her. And there's a few survivors hiding in, like, a bathroom. And all of a sudden, the nerd guy comes and goes, full Kyle Reese and Terminator. It's just like, I'm something, something, and I'm here to rescue you. And you're just like, <laughs> da da And I'm just like, yeah, nerds represent! <laughs> Do you see any football players fucking fighting the zombies? I don't fucking think so! <laughs> stylistically very cool so much a lot of action like a lot of action really funny slapstick battles uh you know gross out humor but not too gross I don't know it's a good it's a good time it's a fun watch turn your brain off and uh you know mind a few choice words that went out of da- <laughs> that might seem a little out of date in 2021 but uh you know rest assured in 2009 They were still funny.
1: Yeah. And if you want to have a 2021 lens on this movie, like a lot of the guys and even some of our hero guys aren't the best representation
0: before the zombie apocalypse though. Like, well, the gym teacher, he's, he's just, he's just going to be a dick, but (laughs) but a lot of other words that our people said and stuff like that. I find the zombie apocalypse probably changed everybody for the better. So the shitty thing, the, the guy in the band says to the girl, that wouldn't happen. Things are put in perspective. I think they're all victims of their uh, not victims. They're all like, you know, uh, high school had made them molded them into the dickheads. They were And in a zombie apocalypse. They would rise like a phoenix into the heroic figures we all know and love who go for breakfast before destroying a nuclear power plant
1: (laughs) so the lesson is if we want to fix the world we live in today we need a zombie apocalypse so yeah that'll bring us together (laughs) all right let's let's chat our awards then first award or first question i ask every week who was this movie made for who do you think the intended audience was me (laughs)
0: fair enough and apparently sam raimi (laughs)
1: you and sam raimi
0: (laughs) yeah yeah we go back me and sam
1: most likely to succeed
0: uh which character do you think won the movie character even though he was killed off i'd say kyle the bully he was just you know he was like the first to jump into action he was the first like when everyone was figuring out how do we fight zombies he was he was ready to go all right. so if anything, he was like the first lead singer. He was the Bond Scott of this movie <laughs> I'll take it.
1: I'll take it okay, Wooderson Award. is there a character here who you would have liked to
0: have seen a little bit more of? uh yeah, I would say um a little bit more scenes with the band, or uh you know, maybe the coach what he's like when he's at home <laughs> before the zombies happen. <laughs>
1: I went with the band on this one.
0: The coach, I think
1: he's in a, a good amount. You know, I wasn't a fan of his Confederate flag, but I understood where it came from because
0: he, he seemed like someone who would have a Confederate flag. Well, he's a caricature. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. You know, he was a gun-toting American soldier, G.I. Joe wannabe dude who, you know, if you're going to lay it on, lay it all on. He was waiting for this
1: moment, you know, in a different way than Sci-Fi Club maybe was, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, the band, they really uh, stood out to me. Um, Loved every scene they were in. Long Duck Dong Award, is there a character whose omission would make the film better?
0: Nah, I'd change maybe like three words and then, you know, it's fine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, one of the criticisms i had is like maybe there were a little too many characters at certain times or change the way they looked as i said because I, I really was getting confused uh here or there
0: <laughs> you just want to jump in the movie and spray paint one of their t-shirts with a pink <laughs> x or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> or put an eye patch on one of them i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> all right uh cameron fry award this award of course named after Cameron Fry, Alan Ruck and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, who was 30 when that film came out. Did a good job,
0: though. I'm a big Ferris Bueller fan.
1: But in this film, did you think that the teens played convincing high schoolers? Was there anyone who looked like they were too old for high school?
0: Uh, I think Kyle was probably the oldest one, but that was intentional. Like, I think he's supposed to be this guy who's been kept back a few years, and he's supposed to be more menacing than mm-hmm. everybody else and a little bit more lived in. So I think they did that on purpose. But in general, everybody looked like the identical same person at the the exact same age.
1: Yeah. So like it's exactly opposite of what I had just said, like makes make people look different. But he definitely cast real looking high schoolers. Um, With real 2009 haircuts and real 2009 style. So I definitely bought into that. I think it's one of
0: the strong points of the film. You could even see this haircut in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Where (laughs) Harry and Ron and all these people have this long 2009 hair for some reason. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) Only in that movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) All right, this is the time of the episode where we give a firm A plus to F grade to the film we're talking about. Of course, we do our little cheat sheet before. Now, I have to give a caveat. Ron Tomatoes, 80% by the critics, but it was only rated by five critics.
0: Yeah, I don't understand. I, like, I'm glad they gave it a good grade or whatever, but I still don't understand why people give too much merit into a website where you're like, this is the definitive way we can find out if a movie's good or not. Brian, there, how many million people are in New York City? Right now, eight, nine, I don't know. Out of nine million people, most of them have an opinion about a movie, and we're supposed to listen to four critics (laughs) like about classic movies that I've known my whole life. You know, I'm glad in this case it, it was a good thing, but in other times it's just like. Are we really going to listen to the grade of Wayne's World based on like, you know, twenty <laughs> people who weren't there? Like, I don't know.
1: No, yeah, that's wh- that's why we give our own grades
0: here. But I have to mention it just for perspective. For sure, I'm just saying. I just kind kind of realized that the other day. I'm like, wait no. a second, this is based on six reviews. <laughs> so when when you Google it and you're like, oh, I guess this movie's not good. It has six out of ten. It's just like you know.
1: But music movies. You shouldn't be turned off by reviews, people out there, because, again, it's just a small select group of people saying something, especially here. This is like nothing.
0: Yeah. What I love about your show, though, is that it's kind of like in general, with the exception of of Kate's Rage, (laughs) it's usually a joy fest here. Like, it's usually, you know, you don't go looking to not like a movie. And that's why I really like about the show. It's because you're always kind of trying to find a positive in something. And very rarely do you have nothing good to say about anything. It can't happen. You got to be honest. But at the same time, there are always ways of saying it's not great. It's not for me, but it doesn't mean it's a steaming pile of crap or anything.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like that's true about everything, but early on in this podcast, you know, you might hear me be a little different in some early episodes but nice (laughs) early on this podcast i discovered like why how am i gonna get through all these episodes if i'm hating on things i hate being a part of that internet discourse that just hates on things right and i take that to the extreme because we
0: talked a lot of twilight on this
1: podcast
0: but yeah (laughs) i have not i have not listened to those episodes brian because uh yeah (laughs) i just i just i just can't man (laughs)
1: <laughs> and then whatever, like I, I, I don't blame you. It doesn't, like it doesn't really matter. The the point is, we like to just have fun here. I, so I bring up these Rotten Tomatoes scores almost to like throw shade on them a little bit because they really don't matter. Like, okay, so the audience score for this one was fifty one percent, split right down the middle, twenty five hundred reviews.
0: Oh, good. So a lot of reviews there. It's not, it's not a lot of reviews when you compare it to the population of New York itself, but you know. <laughs> I'm amazed that 2,500 people have heard of this movie. <laughs> it is good to note, though, that in the spirit of high schools and all that, it is cool to hate, apparently. You can always be the cool person if you don't like anything, <laughs> according to my high school uh, experience and memories. <laughs> so that it's, is, a little that's a- b- it's a little bit more brave when you put yourself out there just being boundlessly enthusiastic about everything, because when I'm thinking about that kid in high school, that's like the band geek or something.
1: It's <laughs> a really good point. I like that. <laughs> Speaking of geeks, uh, the film geeks on Letterboxd, 2.9 out of 5. Uh, 3,000, I believe, reviews on that mm. site. I'm I'm really curious right now. So like on some of the other sister podcasts, they play a game where they look on Letterboxd and see. Specifically, I'm talking about our Fast and Furious podcast. They'll pick a movie and then say, If someone has this in their favorite movies, what other movies do they have in that favorite movie list? So just finding this random letterbox person, Alex R., this is in one of their top five favorite movies. They gave this film five stars. So we're going to steal that game.
0: This person's my spirit animal.
1: (laughs) We're going to steal that game from Too Fast, Too Forever. Just take shots in the dark. If Dance of the Dead is one of their four favorite films, what are their three other favorite films?
0: I'd say Shaun of the Dead, maybe.
1: I would, th- that's, honestly, I was going to guess that. That's not on
0: here. Fuck. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if it's Anna in the Apocalypse, but it would be great if it was because that's another one of my top movies.
1: Again, I would think that too, but nope. Here's what they are Scream. Okay. okay. So, so they're horror oh, yeah. films. Yeah. Scooby Doo, the Freddy Prince Jr. version of Scooby Doo.
0: Okay. Spirit Animal Lost, but okay.
1: <laughs> and Hunt for the Wilder People.
0: Hunt for the Wilder People. I didn't see this movie. Oh, it's a, never... a
1: it's a Taika Waititi movie. I forgot about this movie. And I, I never oh, sad.
0: Okay, I gotta check that out. I oh. actually
1: meant to see this movie. So interesting, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, good, good for good for them. But long-winded way of talking about critics and what other people thought of this film. Ryan, balls in your court. The card is in your hand. The red pen is in your other hand. A plus to F. What will you grade? Dance of the Dead.
0: I give it an A. I I give it an A because it's an A to me, you know, and I'm not grading on like what the national standard of grade is. I'm grading for what I think uh, an A is. And uh, I definitely think it's just uh, it knows what it is. It's not pretentious. I love pretentious things as well. I love it more when things know what they are and can embrace it as opposed to something that's trying to be pretentious. But it's just a cheap piece of shit. So, uh, you know, kudos to Dance of the Dead for doing the dance, making it a little love and getting down tonight. <laughs> I appreciate it. A, uh, a for sure from on my end.
1: Well, I gave it a B. I really enjoyed watching this movie. It was actually really, you know, really fun for me. this isn't really my genre, but you know, I had a good time. It was a breeze, but I want to go back to something you said, uh, you you do enjoy the pretent- pretentious as well. What's the most pretentious film you enjoy?
0: Oh god, that's a good question. Um, well, I guess in a way, uh, "Internal Sunshine" and "A Spotless Mind" could be seen as super pretentious Ooh. and weird and arty, but it's so gorgeous and it's so so deep and so transformative. And when you when you watch it, it's just you get lost in this world, and it's a movie you can't turn off and turn on. Like you know, put it on and don't stop. Same thing with Birdman. Birdman could be seen as kind of pretentious in a way, but as a technical marvel, it, you get so entwined with the story, and it'll go down a hallway in this one impossibly long one shot, and there'll be a drummer for no reason. But by then, you're all in. You're like, I don't fucking care. I don't fucking care if there's a random drummer for no reason. This movie's fucking nuts. Yeah. So, so movies like that. Oh, love both those movies. I, I just thought it was funny, though, that
1: another person who put Dance of the Dead in their top four movies of all time on Letterboxd also had Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in their Sweet. top four. So this is uh, your kind of person, I think. Nice. <laughs> I like this. I like this segment. This is my... <laughs> Okay, so uh, another favorite question I have every week, sleeping bag. You and I were having a slumber party together. We have our custom-made sleeping bags for our Dance of the Dead
0: slumber party. Ryan, what does your sleeping bag look like? Uh, It has Gwen eating the guy's tongue. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And on the back of it, it's uh, the band on stage. Yeah, (laughs) it's a van on stage it's rocking the fuck out. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Mine is going to be
1: like hula themed, like the cheesy, you know, theme that they had at their prom, but like with like blood all over it, you know? Nice. Like, like those tablecloths or whatever they had at the prom. So this though, this is my favorite question every week. And you know this, this is our uh, rent two movies, get one free segment. So you and I, Ryan, we're in the magical blockbuster that has every film that has ever existed in the history of movies to this point. By the way, by the way, I was going to discuss it with you. Just got back from my vacation to Washington and Oregon, and I visited the last blockbuster, but we can talk about that later. (gasps) So perhaps on your show, maybe I'll mention it. It, it, Dude. Yeah. (laughs) It was an experience, definitely. But uh, yes, we are in the magical blockbuster Maybe in Bend, Oregon. Maybe not. Who knows? But as every movie to have ever existed, we know that we are renting Dance of the Dead. But Ryan, pick two other movies for our slumber party for this Rent Two Movies Get One free sale we're going to have.
0: Well, I want to give tribute to the other two episodes we did because we've done three episodes, I believe. But the other two seem to really feel like this because it involves a prom or a dance And something coming back from the dead or something demonic happening. So definitely My Boyfriend's Back, also about zombies and really wanting to go to a dance. And also uh, Idle Hands, which also has that slapstick action type of uh, comedy to it that doesn't take itself too seriously. And all movies mentioned all bombed at the box office. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make a band called Bombed at the Box office. <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
1: Poor trick or treat left out.
0: Oh uh, yeah. But at the same time, Trick or Treat's like the hella serious one out of all of them, even though it's the funniest one, but for the wrong reasons. (laughs) For
1: sure. For sure. Well, Ryan, this was awesome. Thank you so much for stopping by this spooky season to bring me the film that we talked today, Dance of the Dead. Really appreciate it. Why don't you tell all the slumbers out there about the Ryan Stick Show and whatever else you want to talk about?
0: Uh, Take a seat, Brian. I've been busy. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, I still do my show, the Ryan stick show that's on YouTube and Facebook. Check out the YouTube page. Give me a subscribe because I'm getting some more rad guests. I interviewed not only Adam Marcus from the Friday the 13th franchise who did Jason goes to hell, but I also interviewed Tom McLaughlin who directed Jason lives. I have also <clears throat> recently interviewed, uh, Deborah Voris, who played Tina on Friday the 13th part five. She's got You know, not to sound gross, but she's got like one of the most famous nude scenes in the whole franchise. But I interviewed her because she's a wonderful person and she directed this really cool movie called Thirteen Fanboy about a psychotic Friday the 13th fan who is going after actors from the franchise, including Corey Feldman and Kane Hodder, who played Jason. They're all in this movie coming out on October 22nd in select theaters. So that's awesome. So big shout out to Deborah Vories. Look her up. She is, uh, she is an angel on earth. She's just amazing. My girlfriend and I, uh, we started a YouTube show called Spooky Z Manor, in which we talk about our love of. Uh, halloween decor horror stuff we do some reviews we just reviewed muppet haunted mansion on it but we also told people how to decorate on a budget you know like and um what are some real easy tricks to make your home much more cozy and you don't have to spend a lot of money just like little tricks of lighting and um we got so many more episodes coming out in the next two weeks and we're working day and night because we said we'd do it. And then our dog got sick and then we, and then we tended to the dog and then the dog got better and we're like, okay, there's still time. So now, you know, every time I'm not doing an interview with a wonderful person like you, we're back at work there and a producer of a new show called the Rockman power hour and which a famous Montreal uh, DJ and, uh, iHeartRadio personality is launching his brand new podcast and he interviewed the guitar player of um, this band called Mastodon about their love of the movie Dune that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the new movie Dune and he also in the same podcast episode interviewed Danny Villeneuve who directed it and Rebecca Ferguson who starred in it so that launches on on Friday I guess that's today in podcast land. So please check out the Rockman Power Hour wherever podcasts are provided. There's also a YouTube show. And um I just got the word today that next week, uh next Wednesday, I'm going to be doing a live QA with a guy named Kirk T. Thatcher, who is the director of Muppets Haunted Mansion, but he's also the director of the uh, the curious creations of Christine McConnell on Netflix. And it's um doesn't say on IMDB because it's uh was technically like a docu series or like you know a cooking show but he was the director and uh you know co-creator of that show and uh, he's done so much stuff. He made Muppets, uh, Muppets of Oz, Muppets, Laird, Santa. He's been with the Jim Henson Company for years. If you're familiar, Star Trek and uh, Star Trek five, he placed a punk on the bus that Spock has to like knock out with the Vulcan neck pink Oh, now, wow. The Vulcan neck pinch. He played the wear man on the dinosaurs. He's been he's just been everywhere for so long. And I talked to him earlier today. He's a great guy. So if all things go to plan. And he doesn't realize like he's about to be interviewed by a total loser. Uh, (laughs) It, it, uh, you know, it should be live next Wednesday, the 27th of October at 8 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Ryan Stick Show YouTube page.
1: Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Looking forward to it. And you're going to have me soon, right? On Ryan Stick Show. Am I going to be able to come? Hell, Hell
0: yeah. By the time you hear this podcast, everybody... Uh, Go to the Ryan Stick Show YouTube page in which you could see me and Brian in all our glory talking about all the talking about his trip to the last blockbuster. And uh, dare I say, make it up topics offhand, (laughs) movies that we weren't supposed to see when we were kids, but did. (laughs) Because I got a few, including Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, uh, (laughs) in which I saw Deborah Voorhees in all her glory for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I haven't been on your show in a
1: while, Ryan. So, look about at, a year, about a year. Looking forward to that for sure. Happy your
0: dog is feeling better. Thank you. Me too. He's prominently featured in Spook Easy Manner. If you want to, if anyone wants to see how cute he is.
1: And speaking of Spook Easy Manner, you got to you got to invite uh, Melissa on the show with you. I, I want to do a double episode. You guys have such great chem. Well, I'm glad you guys have such great chemistry, but you guys have such great chemistry. We'd love to have you both on the
0: podcast one time, Brian. Uh, we would love to be on the show. But, and uh, if we come on, um, I'll, t- I'll shut up the majority of the time because she'll have the actual stories. But Melissa was in this movie called Laserhawk with Mark Hamill when she was 16. Oh. So the, the high school part is minimal. Like, they are students in high school, and you see it just a bit. But her and the Free Willy kid are pretty much like these aliens that are reborn on Earth decades later. It's this movie that should have had a few more million bucks in its budget, (laughs) but didn't. And it's fascinating to watch and see a teenage Melissa running around with Mark Hamill. And it's, um, it's something to behold. So if you're going to do an episode of her, I'd suggest that or the, even though they're not in high school, I'd say it's more of a college slumber party, but who knows, maybe they're still teens. She was in a horror movie with Christopher Plummer called the clown at midnight in which he, he dresses like a clown and cuts off her head. So yeah oh my god (laughs) or or if you really want to go deep cut and we would actually have to digitize this for you to see and put it on youtube ourselves because it's not on there but she was in a movie that was a co i think norway production called going to kansas city which she plays uh, michael ironside's daughter and she it's kind of like a romeo and juliet story with this foreign exchange student who's uh in this small town and him and it Anyway, I haven't even seen the full movie itself, so if you have Melissa on, there is tons of high school stories to behold with her, uh, you know, short but very cool career. That's awesome! I'm looking forward to it. We got to start with Laserhawk
1: because I'm reading about Laserhawk now, but you could see that shit on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, Ryan will definitely do it. But before then, I can't wait to be on your show, and this is always a pleasure. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it always fantastic having ryan on check out the ryan stick show check out my appearance but check out all the other episodes of that show and all the other cool projects that ryan's doing that stuff sounds really really awesome definitely definitely though listen to the episode because i do start to talk about my trip my trip to blockbuster and all that fun stuff on his show i think i'll go a little bit more in depth on monday speaking of monday We will have a Monday episode. It is a spooky month, so some extra episodes. That means you have weekend homework. Womp, womp. Your weekend homework, though, is to watch The Blob, the 1988 version of The Blob. If it had a mind,
0: you could reason with it. If it had a body, you could shoot it. If it had a heart, you could kill it. Now, man is no longer the supreme being on this planet. The organism is growing at a geometric rate. By all accounts, it's at least a thousand times its original mass. Nobody believes me about what happened tonight. What did happen? You were there. You saw. Plasmid life form that hunts its prey. Predator. I want that organism alive. I think you ticked it off.
1: no shape so that's your homework watch the blob 1988 remember there's an earlier version we are doing the 80s version and it's by request of our guest shawnee mead she'll be back it's going to be a super fun episode because i just watched the movie and it's a super fun movie (laughs) one more thing before i let you go remember that life moves pretty fast If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. Let's get out of here with another song off the Dance of the Dead soundtrack. This is by our good friend Andrew W.K. The song is called, of course, You Will Remember Tonight. Later, dudes.
0: You will remember tonight. You will remember tonight.